Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Here's Pastor Ryan. Amen. All right, so... 2 Chronicles chapter 24, we'll be beginning in verse 12 this evening. And so a lot has happened in the, with, with God's people, the nation of Israel. As you know, it's divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel, the kings are all idolatrous and terrible, and uh, they're worshiping Moloch and Baal up there and and so God divided the kingdom because of idolatry. He did it right after uh, King Solomon's life. And so in the southern kingdom of Judah is where the Davidic line would continue. And you would have some good kings that honored God, and then you would have kings that would turn from him. And every time a king turned from God, you know how it went with the king and with the nation. It was devastated. And so God is watching and and Israel is the apple of God's eye and has blessed them. And his promises still stand in our story with them, still stands today. But in our story, you know, he, since from Abraham all the way to these kings, if they would just believe in him and honor him, he would bless their life. And so uh, in our story, we know that uh, there was uh, an affinity with uh, King Jehoshaphat and he allowed his son to marry the daughter of the wicked king Ahab in the north. And so now there's a, a mixing of kingdoms. And uh, Amaziah, the king uh, in Judah, was killed. And, and so uh, his wicked mother, Athaliah, who was the daughter of Ahab and uh, Jezebel, uh, was going about killing all of the heirs in the kingdom of Judah and by God's grace, a wonderful priest and his wife, Jehoiada, uh, they took the last uh, heir, Joash, who was just a baby, and they hid him in the temple in Jerusalem and took care of him, raised him until he was seven. And then at seven years old, he became king. But obviously, he, he can't rule at seven. And so Jehoiada who was a godly priest. And it, the story is what God can do through a godly man or woman just devoted to God in, in the midst of turmoil. The kingdom was, was compromised and the worship of Jehovah was compromised and the worship of Baal was taking place in Jerusalem. Uh, they actually made a temple for Baal there in Jerusalem. And so uh, this wonderful couple, this godly priest, Jehoiada and his wife, they hid this child king and uh, until the day God would raise him up, and it was time. And in our story, it's time he's grown. It says that in verse 2, Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, and he got married, yada, yada, yada. And Joash set his heart on repairing the house of the Lord there in verse 4. And so he set his heart on repairing the temple because the temple had been ravaged by uh, Athaliah's sons and uh, those who worshipped the pagan gods. They were just stealing treasure, the treasures of the temple. They were just 
pulling, you know, parts off of it and using it to make the temple of Baal. So he notices that God's house is in shambles and it, he set his heart to make repairs. And so he gathers the priests, he gathers Jehoadah, and he tells them to, to proclaim amongst all of uh, Judea that uh, they are to collect uh, funds for the repairs of the temple. And uh, it says here that they went out, or he declared that they make a, a big chest, like a treasure chest or a chest for the people to come to Jerusalem and put the money in. And we read in verse 10 that all the leaders and all the people rejoice, rejoiced, and they brought their contributions and put them into the chest until all had given. And so it was at that time, verse 11, when the chest was brought to the king's official by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, that the king's scribe and the high priest officers came and emptied the chest and took it and returned it to its place, thus they did day by day and gathered money in abundance." And so we see here an excitement by God's people to repair the temple of the Lord. And it's true. Every time you see the calling for God's people to help out with the temple in the building of it with King David, with Solomon, the people gave so much because the people understood that they needed a place to worship the Lord. And so they came rejoicing and giving to the Lord, even during the tabernacle days Moses' time, people brought funds in order for the service of the Lord, the worship of the Lord. It hasn't changed. Today, we have been so excited at our church when God blessed us with the church in the same way, and it's neat to be in the Old Testament when they're caring for, for God's house, that we had an opportunity, and we still do have an opportunity, to bless this house, to make repairs, renovations, uh, pay for the, the lights, the heaters, the air conditioning, uh, and just to beautify this place. So we, we've all kind of lived this ourselves as a church, right? We've been in here for a couple of years now. And so here, uh, we're just encouraged to remember the way they gave and rejoiced when they gave. They felt like they were blessing God when they did it. And that's the way we should be when we give to the Lord. Paul the Apostle said that, that God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want us to give out of being forced or out of constraint, but he wants us to purpose in our heart as the Lord leads to give and to give cheerfully. We must never forget that. I don't think I talk enough about giving to the Lord cheerfully. He doesn't want to feel like we're, we're being forced. He doesn't want us to feel that way. He wants us to give it as a free will offering. Does that make sense? And when we give, we know that we're blessed. Jesus said the same measure that we give, it'll be measured back to us. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the Lord challenges his people to bring in the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He says, test me now in this and see that I do not open up the windows of heaven and bless you with such a blessing that you cannot contain. And so we've for any of us who have walked with the Lord for a while, we know that the blessings come back, that he does give. So something to consider. 
verse 12. The king and Jehoiada gave it to those who did the work of the service of the house of the Lord. And they hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also those who worked in iron and bronze to restore the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored, and the work was completed by them. They restored the house of God to its original condition and reinforced it. You know, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 that the laborer is worthy of its of his wages. We often, you know, equate that with ministers. The, he sent out the, the apostles to preach, and he said that they were to live on the gospel, that they were to go to a house, and if, if uh, the people accepted you and your message, then my peace would be upon that house, and they would take care of you. He actually sent them out without money sacks, without you know, supplies, just so that he can teach them that he will take care of them. But it isn't just for preachers. It's for everyone who works. If you work, which you do, if you work, you do work, then you know that you're worthy of your wages, right? You should receive a paycheck, everyone. And so when the repairs were being done in the house of the Lord, the masons, the iron workers, and they were doing the work of the Lord, God was, you know, basically they got paid. And so we learn even while we were, we are still in the process of renovating and, and all the brothers are pitching in and we've, we've paid people to do some of the renovating. Um, why? You know, because it's, some might say it's God's house. It should, it should just be a, an offering of love. But the Bible says, you know what? It's, a worker is worthy of his wages. You pay him because that's what's right. Now, there are times where we've tried to pay people and bless them according to the scriptures. And they're like, no, it is. This is my love offering to the Lord. I'll just do it unto him. And so they don't receive it. And it's just the, the way they want to give to the Lord just by their work. But a worker is worthy of his wages. And, you know, there's a lot of warnings about how we treat people who do work for us. I'm, I've been shocked, trust me, in my many years of ministry now that uh, you've run into Christians who don't deal right in business matters, who don't pay their employees right or treat them right or care for them right or don't pay them in a timely manner. Um, you see that, you know, and, and, you know, I don't condemn them, but scripturally we learn a worker's worthy of his wages. If someone's doing any work for you at your house, pay them, pay them well. Bless them because we represent the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay. And they restored the house of God to its original condition and they reinforced it. So it's not just, uh, you know, repairing, but they're making it stronger. And when they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehoiada and they made from it articles for the house of the Lord articles for serving and offering, spoons and vessels of gold and silver. And they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. So when the temple was repaired and restored, they immediately began doing burnt offerings, which is a very good sign for God's people. It's a show to the Lord 
that they're on track to get things back where they used to be. They want to worship the Lord. And a burnt offering was just the one offering that was more expensive than any other offering for the families of Israel. Because the whole animal would be burned. Not part of it, not some of the meat saved. The whole burnt offering would be burned unto the Lord as a vow of uh, of uh, contrition, as a promise to God that all of they were going to give God all of their love uh, from that day forth. And the fire for these burnt offerings, and this happened daily, guys, the fires were to burn 24 hours a day. They would keep this fire burning in case anybody needed to come and give a burnt offering to the Lord. And we're told that the smoke from it was a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. And it was sweet because it was a sign that God was affirming and pleased with the offerer, that his people would actually come and go through the whole process and give God their everything in this vow, in this sacrifice. And it speaks of what our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. He gave himself fully, he fully consecrated himself, dedicated himself so that he can save you and I, right? So he is, you know, God's lamb, God's burnt offering, if you will. And so today, when we look at what they're doing, they're telling God 24 hours a day, we're going to be dedicated to you. 24 hours a day, we're going to keep this fire burning. It's a beautiful you know, gesture to God. That's what the nation's doing. We want worship to happen 24 hours a day. And God wants our heart to be the same tonight. That we wouldn't just, you know, worship God only on Sundays or from time to time, but that our fire for the Lord would burn constantly. And the wood for the fire would be placed in the morning and in the evening. And that's key. We should seek the Lord early, the Bible says, while he can be found, while things are quiet with the world. We should seek the Lord. We got to ask ourselves tonight, is our heart burning for the Lord the way it did the first moment that we gave our life to Jesus Christ? Is our heart still burning? Many times God would say, remember, remember, come back. Have we first, have we, have we forgotten our first love? Or is Christ still our master passion? Do we have passion for him? Do we have zealousness for him? You might ask yourself, well, how do I get passion for him? If my love is run cold, how do I catch on fire for the Lord? I mean, throughout this book, it's answered. But the greatest law of all is the, the, the law of the, the is the uh, Shema in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6, right? Where the Lord says that we should love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, right? Deuteronomy 6. That's the greatest law in the Bible. We are to love Him with everything that we have. And that's how we keep the fire burning. We realize that we've given our life to Jesus Christ. And with that vow comes great responsibility that we are to follow him, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and to follow him daily. 
That's how our fire burns. If we abide in Christ and he in us, we will bear much fruit. But if we distance ourselves, if this is kind of like a part-time thing once in a while, that's not God's fault or Christianity's fault or the word of God that's not of any effect. It's disobedience. We're pulling ourselves away from our shepherd. We're his sheep. And as the shepherd goes, we got to be right on them all the time, worshiping him, loving him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Verse 15, but Jehoada grew old and was full of days, and he died. He was 130 years old when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, both toward God and his house. Jehoda, it says that he grew old and full of days. Full of days. Like, what does that mean, full of days? He lived a long life, 130 years. You know anybody who lived that long? That's long in today's time. What, what, what are people pushing? Maybe. The Guinness World Record recent, what is it? Does anybody know? 110 maybe? Something, right? 130, full of days. I don't, I don't think it, it, the Bible is, is saying here that it, he, it was full of days because he lived to 130. I think that his days were full because he loved God. His days were full. They were blessed. They were rich. Time seemed to stand still as he had fun loving God. His days were full. There are godly people who have lived short lives, shorter lives, but their days were full. God makes our days rich. He makes our days amazing. That's, I mean, I believe that if we seek God, He's a rewarder to those who seek him. I mean, he makes us feel good, doesn't he? He takes away worry, anxiety, doubt, fear. And he just makes everything right with the world. And everything may be wrong with the world, but but in your soul, everything's cool. You're at peace. And he's at the helm of the boat with the disciples, telling the wind and the waves, be still. That's what he does in our lives. I think Jehoiada's days were full because he loved God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. So his days were full, 130. I tell you, we didn't start living until we gave our life to Jesus Christ. Life before Jesus was so miserable, so miserable when you think about it. And in Christ, it's so rich. At his side, there are pleasures evermore. He's such a good God. His peace comes over us. And I think that's how his life was. It was, he grew old and, and, and was full of days. And, you know, if you're, Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. But if you're trying to save your life, If you're going to try to play it safe and stay away from church, you know what I mean? What does the Bible say? 
you're probably not going to be living much, even though you're still alive. But if you trust God, give him your full obedience. Don't stop doing what he says. He'll bless your days. He'll bless your days. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings. Now, how cool is that? He's not a king. He's a priest. But he's a priest who stood up to wicked kings. For those who say don't get political at church, please. No, no, no. No, no, no. A holy man changed a nation. We're salt and light. And, and he was so good for the spiritual well-being of Judah that they made room in the hall of kings and put Jehoiada there. He saved the nation. Man, it's just honor. Give honor to whom honor is due. It's really cool. Verse 17. Now after the death of Jehoiada, the leaders of Judah came and bowed down to the king. And the king listened to them. Therefore they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Just like that, Jehoiada is gone. Jehoiada was an amazing influence on King Joash. He was a, like a dad to him, a spiritual father to him. So as long as he had that strong spiritual person near him, he stood strong. The moment he was gone, he was easily persuaded by these leaders of Judah who persuade him, hey, let's go back to worshiping the, 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 the sex god, Ashtoreth and Baal and all of these perverse, wicked, pagan idols that God had constantly been warning them to stay away from and punish them when they sought them. But just like that, he was persuaded. Isn't that terrible? Think about that. How can you make these reforms? How can you walk with the Lord for so long and then the moment your spiritual mentor is gone, you're persuaded to turn against God? I mean, did you ever loved God, really? And that's something to consider. There's a lot of people who want Jesus' salvation, but do not want Jesus' Lord, Jesus' master of my life. There's a lot. They want to get into heaven, but they do not want to make Jesus their master. They still want to live for the old man or the old woman. They still want to live for themselves. He's coming back soon. And God knows how to discern between sheep and goats. He knows how to make a distinction between those who love him and those who don't. If we read the parables, he says, doesn't he? Man, when, when the master of the house comes, may he find his servants so doing. Not, not, not doing. Not just living for ourselves, but about his business. Because he's coming back and we want to be serving him. We want to be praising him. We want to be in fellowship. We want to be in his house. We want our houses in order when Jesus arrives. 
and the way the world is, is warning us about how everything's going to change financially overnight, I mean, what, what can we do about it? You know, we keep our eyes on the Lord. He's on, he, we're in his boat. He's not in our boat, or is he? We're in his boat. And he's chilling, not panicked at all, head rest on the pillow. And they can say they're going to just rob everybody and you're not going to be able. Yeah, we know that's coming. But we also know we're going to be out of here. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.